Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better, episode 151. The podcast of science! Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in episode 151, would you like fries with that? Also, baby brains, baby brains, baby brains. And also, hey baby, zombies. Sorry, hang on. I mean, hey, baby zombies. <laughs> Gotta catch them all, and by all I mean brains. But before we get there, what has happened to you this week in science? I read a story which made me think about the ethics of war. It's always a fun way to start a fun podcast about science, comedy, and ignorance. But it was about the idea of, in the Middle East, Americans have been, and other people, but the Americans in this case, have been dropping bombs on people and smart bombs. You know, the smart bombs, they find someone, they go, the drone says, there's that person, and they get permission, hopefully, from a human being, and they drop some bomb into a crowded area and kill that person, but of course kill other people who aren't that person. Not a very smart bomb. You want a smarter no, well, bomb that just drops down, doesn't explode at all, and then just talks to people and convinces them around to your way of thinking. Right. Right. Just right. talks them out of it. Well, this is what they've kind of made. They've kind of made exactly what you've decided, you've described there, Dan, except instead of talking them down and uh, making them change their ways, it pushes out a lot of samurai swords out the side and lands on the person but doesn't explode. So it's a big bomb covered in knives that lands and cuts you into a million pieces or just squashes you flat. And it's called a knife bomb for reasons I'm sure you can work out. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> it's a bit wily Coyote for me. It's real personal. It's very personal. Like, someone really f***ing hates that guy. Yes. So they said, quote, It's like being hit by a speeding anvil falling from the sky that's covered in sharp blades. Now, I have a few questions here. <laughs> The first question, why do you have to put knives on an anvil if you're dropping it from the sky? How does that help? I guess if they dive out of the way of the anvil, you want you, they should just get sent in a bigger anvil. It I should just look like a it should look like a potato masher, but with a <laughs> rocket on the back. But that's kind of what they've made, isn't it? But I don't think the bomb goes bomb incoming, dive, dive. I think it just silently comes in and kills you. It doesn't. It's not like a jet engine the drone it just drops from the sky there's no whistle I, I just think it suddenly turns up and you're dead i just don't understand what this is for i, I except for not killing people in the general area you know, the random innocent people just drop a weight on them talking about sounds of war coming from the skies mm. uh, you know that sound that you hear in the in the old black and white films of the bomber aircraft or the fighter aircraft coming in that sort of goes Wah! Yes. Yes. High raising tone. That's an the, actual a, a siren on the front of the plane. That's not the sound Stuka. that they make. It's that's a, right. It's a sound that they intentionally make to sound terrifying, and it works. It does really work really well. That was for the Stuka dive bomber. The Stuka was a World War Two infantry killing plane, so it wasn't used for dogfighting. That's why the Spitfires and the Mustangs and the uh, Hurricanes took it out so easily. But it was designed for air superiority. Once you owned the air, you just landed, or you came into a steep dive, and the siren went, and then you dropped bombs. Everyone went, and then they they were scared before they died. That was nice. Uh, War. 
anyway, yeah, so this thing out there, it's it's a knife bomb. It's been found. It's been decided that it's the real thing. The government of America said, yes, we make this thing now. So if you're a naughty person in the world, maybe someone might stab you with a giant knife connected to an anvil dropped from the sky. Yeah, don't be a naughty person who, you no- know, has ideologies dissimilar to the current particular government in power. That's right. So, you know... <laughs> Don't have, even- don't have brown skin, for instance. They hate well, that's- that. <laughs> it's me on a watch list. <laughs> How's your week in science? It was it was interesting. I, I've been away. I don't yes. know whether the listeners noticed, but I've been away <laughs> on a vacation. There are two really big airplane manufacturing companies in the world. Mm. There's the American company Boeing and the European company Airbus. Now, Boeing is just one company, but Airbus is a consortium of four companies that each made a different part of the plane. The wings and the landing gear get made in the UK, the doors and the tails in Spain, the fuselage in Germany, and the nose and centre section in France. So it's like this big global initiative to sort of... Everyone gets together and makes a plane, even though they're now two separate countries. Well done, Brexit. So so the the veins of the planes are made mainly in Spain? Uh, the no, that's the the tail and the doors. Oh, okay, fine, that's okay. Okay, yes, okay. the but a nice try, nice try. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, the final is the final assembly. It's the, fact, it's the fact that you look. The fact you didn't laugh was hurtful enough, but then you you really stuck the knife in quite nicely on that one. So well done. Like I, I dropped the knife bomb right on you. <laughs> And there's no other casualties but my heart. Imagine, like, are the knives? When do the knives spring out <laughs> of that bomb? At the last second. At the last, last second? second, because they yeah. should it. What it should do is it should, it should come down. I go bo- and aim for right next to the guy. I go boom. So he's like, "Hi, f- you Americans!" And then the bomb should go shunk. Oh, my legs! And then go shunk and tuck back in again. He'd be like, "Fuck!" Stabbed. It just spins. It lands. Clang, knife shootout. It spins in a circle, and then it pulls back in, like a like fire. a kitchen rocket, <laughs> a kitchen bullet. Because I, I guess you know that some, you know you know someone hates you when they send a, a blender, a giant blender, but without the plastic protection bit on the outside to come and kill you. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about now. It's basically yeah. kitchen blender. Anyway, yeah, these are human lives we're laughing about. We're just saying, just it's dark humor. Dark humour. Okay, so back to the planes. Anyway, oh, yes, plane bits. Yes. They're all yes. in pieces at the moment. They used to move the pieces by boat and the road network, but as production ramped up, they needed a better I, method to move stuff around. Ironically, not by planes. They eventually landed on a Ooh. solution called the Super Transporter. Ooh. This is a plane that looks like one of the aliens from Mars Attacks or, <laughs> or, or possibly a beluga whale. Right. And in fact, it looks so much like a beluga whale that this is what people nicknamed it, and it's now officially called the Airbus Beluga. <laughs> it is an absurd looking plane. It's a normal plane, but with a fuselage that is three times as big on top of the plane. It looks like it's. Right. Yeah, it looks like it's upside down <laughs> and pregnant. I see. Right. Okay, so I spent a week and a half in Toulouse. And I was just staring out the car window when suddenly one of these planes comes into land, like, right near me. And it's amazing. They look really big, and they look like they just, like, they shouldn't be allowed in the sky. (laughs) 
You don't mean by civilian authorities. You mean by like the laws of physics. It shouldn't be allowed in the sky. Exactly. Right. No, that doesn't look right at all. It, it kind of looks like a blimp had sex with a jumbo jet. <laughs> look, and we're not yucking your yum, everyone. If that's your thing, good on you. <laughs> you know what? I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm actually a bit conservative about my aircraft and their entry course. <laughs> all I can like, say is rule 34, I really kind of want to just go and type in now a Zeppelin having sex with a jumbo jet and just see if someone's written some porn about it already. They have. You know they have. Yeah, one of our listeners is doing that right now. Oh, please don't send it in. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Michael. Baby brains. Have you heard of this idea? The idea that when women have a baby, they get baby brained? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they get all they... dense and they start putting their car keys in the freezer. Yeah, it's all that kind of cool stuff. Well, you know, their, pe- their work output like drops down to 70% of what a man does. And... Uh huh. Uh huh. It makes it harder to drive and harder to park. And Yeah, basically, that's, that's the concept anyway. So <laughs> finally, someone finally went, is this a, is this a thing? Is this, is this a thing? Is this actually science or is this just sexism? <laughs> sexism. And- rampant sexism. <laughs> or is it, you know, just. People being assholes. Uh, and the answer is interesting, actually. And so I looked into this. There is some truth that in the final trimester of pregnancy, the female brain, the mother's brain, loses 7% of its volume on average. Wow. So the brain shrinks. The female brain shrinks uh, in pregnancy. Now, this does not seem to have any bearing on cognitive function. What? But what? Like the whole brain shrinks or like bits the, of the brain shrink? The 7% of the volume on average. So, yes, it's the whole brain seems to shrink down. It's not just the, o- the, the medulla oblongata just shrivels to the side of a pea. It's no, like no, The no. whole thing sort of goes. Yep. It seems to be some areas. They did say some areas do seem to be more than others. But on average, it's 7% across the volume of the brain. And is. So, well, wow. Cause, <laughs> okay. Yes. Because you need quite a bit of energy to make a baby. And the brain takes a lot of energy to run. Yes. That's, well, no one knows why this is. So the, I do. I just good, said it. Well, you, <laughs> Woo, that's a go good, science. That's, that's a good idea, but no one can prove this. Yes, but no one knows why. Within six months after birth, the brain is bounced back to normal size. So it, re, it regrows its volume or re, re-expands back to its normal volume. Okay. So that's the first step. But it doesn't seem to change cognitive function. I don't when, understand that. I, I guess... Because I guess you don't have any fewer folds in the brain, and that seems to be more important than brain size. Maybe, yes. People yeah. with big heads aren't smarter than people with small heads, necessarily. No, not at, no, not at all. Not at all. It was one of those people talked about that um, Einstein's brain was average size. And, and then when um, Marilyn Monroe died, she supposedly had quite a large brain. But people said, oh, you know, she's so silly, which doesn't mean she was. She was just, you know, she put that idea forwards. People put the idea for not maybe not her. Yeah, no. Brain size has nothing to do with cognitive function, it seems, or how smart you are. Particularly, there's no been any correlation between those two mm. things. But after birth, say, the brain starts to expand again, and about three to four months after that birth, areas of the brain of the female brain start to get bigger. They bulk up in certain areas, so you actually start to have different parts of the brain growing, which is kind of cool. So you start getting the areas which deal with reasoning and judgment and emotion regulation get much – basically the prefrontal cortex get bigger. The uh, emotional regulation, the hypothalamus gets larger. The insula 
and the thalamus get larger. So things to do with empathy, emotional recognition, reasoning, judgment, all get larger. Ah, and it does all things to do with baby nurturing. Strangely enough, yes. And when they first did these tests, they did them on rats because uh, that's how you start them. And the rats were able to hunt better. The female rats could hunt. Uh, well, they seem to find the the prey more easily they can go through mazes more easily afterwards as well their brains but they're running on a higher level it seems after birth humans aren't necessarily good at mapping it doesn't correlate that humans are going to have the same thing because you know it's, it's not what makes them us good so it seems though that humans when they have a baby they actually become uh, females for humans they become more aggressive so female mothers are more aggressive than non-mothers yeah so yep. checks out i've been on checks- facebook <laughs> they become much more bold. The most, so, the most terrifying sentence to start an, a, a, an interaction is, as a mother, you just run. Just <laughs> run. It's true. They become a lot more bold. So if they were quiet and retiring before, after have a baby, they're much less likely to be as retiring. And they're much more emotionally resilient. So they're able to cope with a lot of stresses that would have stressed them out before. They can stress it out much more easily. So I think that's really, really, really interesting. The hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal axis is also dampened down. So their flight or fight responses are reduced a lot. They don't get stressed by things, but they get angry about it when they do respond. And they're much more likely to punch you in the face. So there you go. Ah, I wonder if that sort of leaks into why men suffer so much more from the flu and from head colds. It's because the women have this sort of resilience and to stresses and such in the brain. Maybe, but that's women who have had a baby, I guess. Yeah. We don't know how long this lasts for, by the way. So it may, it doesn't, there's no, it's not saying it lasts forever, but the test didn't say it lasts for weeks or months or years. We don't oh, know how right. long they have disability. Here's the part I found really strange, though. Whilst they're still pregnant in the final trimester, yep. women have less response in the brain to stress. They are less stressed, yeah. which confuses me because by most anecdotes, most women have told me that they get very stressed during pregnancy. They get very mm. angry about And so I was like, maybe they'd be super stressed otherwise. Maybe. Okay, but, but their brains would, if their brains were a little bit smaller, like when you drink, part of the hangover is swelling in the brain. So I guess if you wanted to avoid a bad hangover, you could be pregnant and just drink in like your third trimester. And it wouldn't <laughs> matter about hangovers because you'd have plenty of extra space for the brain swelling. True. I yeah. Mm, Smart yeah, enough, mm, no better. Uh, suggest mm, drinking heavily uh, in the third uh, trimester. Uh, 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 oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I went to Belgium. How dare you! I thought it was a fictional place, but no, <laughs> I went to Belgium. It's a real isn't place. It like, isn't it like that France's hat? Uh, I suppose that's better than the Netherlands. Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> you have two choices but it's a kind of like mini france i said france and then france i can't seem to pick oh up yeah you see you you've got to be really careful because part of belgium would be like yeah okay mini france sure i mean we have our own identity but yeah mini france the other yeah. part of belgium is like you can have no idea <laughs> right so it's a real north island and island thing going oh, on in oh really okay. well, i mean not not a real no one's been blowing shit up that i right. know of <laughs> Not for a while, take, at any rate. Take this chocolate. But they are very proud of their frites. Right. Fri- frites. It is the birthplace of the French fry. 
oops. Yeah, the French will, however, dispute that, uh, but they are wrong. Say did they Bel- make the Belgian waffle? I think the Belgians did the Belgian waffle. Well, the Belgian waffle is something else. It was delicious. You get a but, good but, Belgian but, waffle, yum. So, but, but if the French fry was made in Belgium, was the Belgian waffle made in France? That's not how these things work, and I haven't oh. researched that. So oh, okay, don't right. ask me things that I haven't looked up. Look, why don't you know every food name of things? <laughs> Cooked potato slivers have a wealth of different names all throughout English-speaking countries. So Freedom fries! We should work out first what we're talking about. Freedom fries. In Australia, you can buy a sealed packet of thinly sliced potato that is crisp and room temperature. These are called chips. Chips. If you're an American, this seems quite sensible. If you're from the UK, this sounds like madness. (laughs) They are, as I've so recently stated, crisp, and they should be quite rightly called crisps. Mm -hmm. But they are not. They are called chips. Now, Except the brand in Australia that we have called Smith Crisps. Possibly. But that's a brand name thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. You can also yeah. go to a fish and chip shop and you can yes. buy potatoes that have been sliced squarely into long, thick potato shapes that are then deep fried and seasoned. These are called chips. Now, the British are nodding their heads and the Americans think we're nuts because those are obviously fried potatoes, so they should be called fries. This cheerfully ignores the fact that thinly sliced room temperature crisps are also fried. <laughs> Generally, in Australia, we can work out which is which from context. And if I said a normal side dish at a cafe or restaurant was some chips, everyone would smile and nod and finally feel that cultural divides had been broken down up to the point where they were delivered to the table and no one got what they ordered. Because in America, it is very normal for room temperature sliced potato to be provided with a meal, something that seems to other countries to be about as sane as serving chocolate milk to a tradesman. Hang on, wait, 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 hang on, no, wait. Uh, wait, hang on, people in America eat sliced potato not cooked, just handed to you? No, no, it's it's the chips from the packet. yes. That is on the side of the of your plate in America, and the what? deep fried chips are on the side of your plate in the UK and Australia. Why, Why would you bring them? Just if I if I wanted a bag of chips, I they, could, they like, just serve it with that. That's a that's, side. And also, you need to we need to justify what you just said because you just casually went over chocolate milk to tradies. Yeah. A a that's a person who works like on construction sites, and B that's a thing in Australia. That's a that's the the world's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was <laughs> was to convince burly burly men and women burly that men. they should have they should have their chalky milk in the morning. They were going out of business. Chalky milk, no, because kids don't drink chalky milk anymore. It's not allowed. It's like it's it's not it's not healthy. It's not, not a good healthy. thing. Not healthy. So so they were out of they were going bankrupt. They were like, oh no, we're done. And then the smartest person in the world, the devil himself, went. I know. You know who needs this? Who needs energy in the morning? Carpenters, fitters, and turners. <laughs> like it was the concrete layers. It was the a most yeah. amazing. They thing. can't have beer that early. They've got <laughs> trading to do. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's yeah, but every other country in the world would be like, chocolate milk is for children. Yes. And we're like, I, no. But they, in Australia, they sell it. They, they, they now instead of having cute bunnies, they call it like man juice and you know chocolate god and and it's sort of it's amazing. It's the best. The, the, the word dare seems to appear in it a lot. Uh, yeah, there chocolate you go. dare, double espresso, <laughs> chocolate are you, milk. 
Are you man enough to have a chucky milk, you man? Man! <laughs> it's the best. That's amazing. I love it so much. <laughs> okay, so. So there's a woman I work with. Yes. And she was embarrassed about having a chocolate. She bought a chocolate milk, and it was a dare chocolate milk. And she was embarrassed about drinking it in the office because the connotations to tradies. She was like, oh. <laughs> She was like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm not that person. I'm not, but I just wanted the chocolate milk. I went, don't. That's fine. Drink what you don't. I don't care. I okay. literally wouldn't have thought about it. It's but fine. It was, you want to, you want to knock up a shelf. You know, I'm, don't be embarrassed about that. That's a skill. <laughs> that's right. You do you. Yeah. Just don't wolf whistle me again because that may <laughs> that is is not the environment for that. Well, look, look. Let's just say it does bring all the boys to the yard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So. Chips. We're not talking about this. You were talking about something else. Chips. Okay, that's all right. This is a good tangent to go on. Okay. In Australia, if you want to be more specific about whether you're talking about thinly sliced room temperature fried potato or squarely sliced rods of freshly heated fried potato, you could call one of those things potato chips and everyone would know what you were talking about. Yes. Okay. Thankfully... You can also then refer to the other type as hot chips. And we can start to hone in on what the heck we're talking about and get incrementally closer to why I'm talking about them on a science podcast. (laughs) I normally call them hot chips. Do you want some chips? Do you want some hot chips? Everyone understands. You go, yeah, sure. Or you say, I'll have chips with gravy. No one's going to put crisps with gravy. That's just not a thing. Or maybe it is somewhere, but not not for here. Possibly in America. They're out of their mind over there. (laughs) There will no longer be any talk about the American chip, the Australian potato chip, nor the British crisp. What okay. we're talking about here are hot chips and fries. Okay. Okay. In Australia, a fry is a very particular type of hot chip. You go to McDonald's and get fries and easily call them chips. Fries are a subset of chips that are sliced very thinly. Mm-hmm. Just to make things really complicated... There are cooking techniques for hot chips that can involve shallow frying, deep frying, baking, steaming, and boiling. Mm, Boiling. Mm, Good times. Let's first talk about the deep fry, boiling in oil. The very hot oil is very still. Then you drop a potato chip in, the water in the potato turns to steam immediately, which is where all of the splatter and bubbles Mm. come from, because oil doesn't do that until like a... Like oil oil turns into smoke before it boils. Mm, Okay. Okay. So it burns, yeah. So the water in the potato chip turns to steam, which ruptures the outside of the chip, forming a rough textured skin and drying it out very quickly. You want a starchy potato like a russet potato. Mm. And you want to wash the starch off the outside of the chip. Starch on the outside will hold moisture and prevent a nice, dry, crunchy surface to the chip. The starches below the surface cross-link, forming a shell. And inside that shell, the moisture is trapped. This causes the chip to cook through in a steamy, fluffy manner. So outside mm. of the chip is nice and crispy. Inside is all fluffy. The combination of textures is delicious and what makes hot chips so delicious. Mm-hmm. The theory goes that you need that rapid, solid shell to keep the water in and the oil out. If you let the oil get in, you end up with a dripping, oily horror that could only be considered a delicacy in Portugal. <laughs> <clears throat> Guess where my holiday was to? Oh no! This is a real thing. So they, they, what? I went. This is a. This is another tangent. But we went to a bakery, and the frog princess got some sort of croissant type deal. 
Yes. And I was like, oh, that, that thing looks nice. It's sort of a spongy, cakey type, a yellow spongy, cakey thing. It looks delicious. And so I got it back to my plate and I bit into it and it was just filled with oil. And I'm like, why does this cake taste like fish? <laughs> and they get dried cod and they mix it with flour and then they turn it into a sort of this lumpy dough thing and then drop it into the deep fryer and it puffs out <laughs> and is oh. the most – and, like, it is not a breakfast food. Like, I try not to be judgmental about what constitutes a breakfast food, but this was not good. Oh, I was I was not a fan of, of the gastronomy in Portugal. It's right. like everything tasted wet. Right. And, like, like, and, like, a soup is wet, but you, no one would ever describe it as being wet. But ask to describe any meal in ask me to describe any meal I had in Portugal. Um, how was your how, Portuguese lunch? What sort of Portuguese lunch did you have? Just wet. Does, just doesn't wet? sound appealing, does it? No, it no, doesn't, doesn't sound no. appealing, but that's how was, they were. This makes me sad because because my knowledge of Portuguese cuisine comes from Nando's. Yep, the, Nando's, the, the, the a Porto, a, 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 a Porto. There you go. I haven't really yep. tried a Porto. Nando's is always like crispy chicken with with yep. peri peri sauce yep. on it and that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, that's not wet. That's like I, a that's I, a lie, obviously. I did have some Portuguese chicken actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was wet. Was it? It was wet. <laughs> They're okay. very moist people. Okay, so this this idea about the crisp shell locking out the oil and in the moisture is not quite right. What happens is that the moisture on the outside of the chip bursts into s- steam and it leaves and the oil replaces it. The moisture below the surface of the layer bonds with the starches that are breaking down, forming a glue layer. Ooh. So you've got crispy outside layer, starchy glue layer, and then just fluffy potato on, on the inside. Got it. <laughs> so aside from the seasoning and what type of oil you cook it in and the type of potato, all the differences between hot chips come down to how you work with that shell and the interior. You could boil or steam the potato first, and you could even boil it in salty water so that you get sort of this salty taste throughout the potato. McDonald's blanches their fries in boiling water, dries them, fries them for 45 seconds, then freezes them and ships them. Right. So they turn up at the store already blanched and pre-cooked, but they're still white. And then the final step is done in store where you get a 14-year-old to put him in a basket and then you press mm. a button and it lowers it into the hot, the oil at the exact right temperature for the exact yes. right time and then it comes out so that the 14-year-old can't f*** anything up. <laughs> and that'll be, that'll be taken over machines very, very soon, of course. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, of course, it leads to the most fun the most fun line from The Simpsons. Oh, if I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. With the young man sticking his hands into the fryer. Ow! 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 I only, I only wanted to say that because it's one of the only Simpsons voices I can do. Well, we all know exactly what that character is, so you've knocked it out of the park. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, anyone in the age of probably 30 is probably like, what is he talking about? Uh, this is <laughs> anyway. from the first eight years of The Simpsons where they were actually quite good. Not the last 27 million? Oh, my goodness. Sure. They just keep going, don't they? It's, it's like, well, it's good. It keeps Pan Cazaria off the streets. Oh, yeah. He was a real problem. He looks he Hank Azaria looks like one of the bad guys from West End story. <laughs> like he looks like the moment he's out of work, he's gonna be down there with a comb and clicking his fingers at people. <laughs> it's probably lovely. Nah. Nah, I don't believe that <laughs> no. for a second. There you go. Also, he's, he's a hoodlum. I like the fact that your idea of hoodlums come from musicals. 
the least hard versions. Oh my god, it's it's criminals. Dan's gang would be fabulous. Fabulous and transient. <laughs> okay, so McDonald's ends up with quite crisp fries. Are we being sponsored by any of these companies, by the way? As Not like Porto yet. Nando's, oh, McDonald's, we're here. Like, we'll take your money, McDonald's. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Is that still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> so that blanching and then frying and then freezing and then frying and drying, that's, what, that's why you end up with such crisp fries. Perhaps we should, instead of calling them fries, call them crisps or crisp fries to avoid confusion. <laughs> Note that what we've done here is fry them twice. This is apparently the trick to a great chip. You deep fry them at 160 degrees Celsius. You take them out and that glue layer forms, that sort of gluey, starchy layer forms. Then you drop them in at 190 degrees Celsius and the moisture in the glue layer turns to steam and leaves a much crisper layer of oil and bonded potato starch. These are the frits that I had in Belgium and they were very... Very tasty indeed because of it. There you go. Oh, we're back to Belgium. Excellent. That's good. Phew. So the Belgium have it right. The Portuguese, not so much. Wet. Wet. Now, Wet. is there a sliding scale of, of, of niceness as you go down? Like France, you're like, that's eh, pretty good. And then you get to Spain, you're like, eh, it's fine. And then Portugal, you're like, balls. And then Morocco, it's like on fire. It's just underwater. It's underwater. <laughs> so, yes, it would be, of course. It's just a swampy mess. So, just quick like Lasagna stew. <laughs> Spaghetti bolognese stew. Yes. Maybe some Mo- maybe some crisp stew. Ugh. Some chip stew. Ugh. 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 Dan, did you play Pokemon as a kid? Nah. You're not a Pokemon man? I was nah, right. I, I didn't a- poke any mons. No mons. No mons were poked. Did it start as a card game or a video game? I don't know. I thought it was a Game Boy game first. Yeah, it's a game. Uh, who knows? It's it's a whole thing. Now there's a detective. It's all getting very confusing out there. Oh, and recently I listened. I I was listening to people talk about the characters. They don't really. There's like Team Rocket and something. I mean, we're, we're good. This is going to be a great segment, by the way. Two people who don't play Pokemon talking about Pokemon. I suddenly heard the name of the main character, Ash. Like the guy who owns Pikachu. The, basically, the, the the filthy the filthy animal. Uh, uh, smuggler who s- takes animals out of the wild and keeps them in a small ball. What a monster! Mm. In order to and, uh, ha- go- put them into uh, animal fighting. Yes, things. yes, and and to prove to prove his masculinity. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, great thing for kids to play with. But uh, his name's Ash, which I always knew for a long time. But I didn't realize when well, you had a last name, and I heard someone say it out loud, out loud, and it's awful. His name's Ash Ketchum. So you've got to catch them oh. all. I know. And yes, look, unlike all the media we loved as children, which was very sensible, like Star Blazers, which had like a battleship going into space and fighting aliens. This is silly. Ash Ketchum, that's silly. Anyway, what was I talking about? Why am I bringing this up? You may be wondering, Dan. I, I just got- Look, I, you know what? I stopped asking that question a long <laughs> time ago. I'm like, oh, I'm sure this will land somewhere. I just talked about naming potato chips for seven minutes. It was I, I've got to give him some grace. And now I'm hungry, you son of a bitch. We'll get to the science in a moment. <laughs> well, unfortunately, because you and I don't play or really have much to do with Pokemon as kids, we are missing a part of our brain, which is the Pokemon part of the brain. It's not there. Oh. We, we, 
you're missing out. So there's been studies done on people who I've have... I've got gallstones. St- They're kind of like thunderstones, right? In your brain? Well, I hope not. That would be very bad. They looked at people who really liked Pokemon and played Pokemon a lot in their early uh, under 10, like 6 to 8, and they did MRI scans, and they found parts of the brain, which are basically the Pokemon parts of the brain. These people who understand Pokemon very well now have a part of their brain that's just been put aside just for Pokemon, a Pokemon region of the brain. So what does it what, what does it recognize? Does it recognize, like, game play stats no, no, and no no just you so you look at when you look at uh, a squirtle you your brain goes oh what's that and it goes that's a squirtle and that all that information is kept in a certain part of the brain you look at pikachu you go, oh that's pikachu that's all kept in in the certain part of the brain it's a pokemon part of the brain this so is, that, very... is this different to the human beings recognizing other human beings faces part of the brain Yes, different part of the brain. That's dumb. That's very dumb. Someone made a mistake. That's bullshit. (laughs) So when we looked at this, or when people started doing research into this, it was that was the idea. It was like, hang on, is this different to other parts of the brain? And when they did research into other things, such as Jennifer Aniston, people who really liked Jennifer Aniston as a kid, there's a Jennifer Aniston part of the brain, which is different to the Pokemon part of the brain. Yeah, is it near the arousal parts of the brain? Well, not, no, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. These are children, Dan. These are children. Let's let's so pull back. Used, a bit they there. were children when they were watching Friends. Yes. Now they want right. to watch Friends with benefits. <laughs> so the point of this is, it seems the brain does actually put things in different places when you start learning about it, and. To try and test, to get rid of the outside stimuli, the, uh, the the biases, they needed to work out, well, is it the movement? Is it the color? Is it the shape? Like, What is it about these Pokemon that's putting into a certain part of the brain? It's very, very hard to do, of course. How do you – you're not allowed to ethically go grab children between the sixes of, ages of sixes and eight and only make them look at potatoes and then only make them see squiggly lines or only make them see Jennifer Anderson every day. It's just not ethically – Cool. Could you get a, Could you get kids who played Pokemon but were also colorblind? Well, you've kind of hit on the a thing there, not the colorblind part, but the, the Pokemon things. When the researcher looked at the concept of the Game Boy, he realized that all these kids in the 90s were holding a device with a certain size screen that was black and white in front of their face at a certain distance. It was never black and white. Well, supposedly it, it was. It was mid-green and slightly darker green oh, well, I, I, with two I, I, other greens in between. <laughs> I stand corrected. Good point. Monochromatic, I should say. Yeah. Good point. And this was a way of them uh, getting rid of the biases from the experiment. They looked at these kids. They said, well, everyone's going to be roughly the same place. It's backlit. It's well lit. It's the same thing. And now they've realized the that game, The original Game Boy wasn't backlit. Was it? It required you to be in sunlight to be able to see anything at all. I'm learning all this amazing Kids stuff. these days don't know how well they have it. Sure. Back in my sure. day, you couldn't. You, If you were trying to play a Game Boy game in the car on the way back home at night, it was impossible. You had to tilt and try to make you, time your moves with the streetlights as they whizzed overhead. Oh my now they've got these Nintendo Switches that can run seven different types of Zelda or something. Actually, I've got one of them too. It's awesome. And now, now kids, now they've got so high tech, they're using cardboard to move everything around. <laughs> the cardboard controllers. Wait, that seems like a backward step. No, they, actually, they're very cool. They're very, very cool. The, um, what's it called? Labo. Labo. Yeah, no, Labo. I, I, I bought uh, oh. one of the kits, actually. Ooh. It's very restful to put them together. 
I like yeah. it. Good to get kids moving. Anyway, what they've worked out, and this seems a little bit obvious, but I'm glad they worked it out anyway. It seems that it was the size of the image and the fact that you were looking at it from this, uh, looking straight at it, makes it that it's the if it's a certain size and it's a uh, in the in the center of your vision, that makes it important to the brain and therefore it puts oh, it in a certain wow. part of the brain. So looking things peripherally will put it in a different part of the brain, looking straight down the barrel at something, which makes sense because you're looking at the barrel. If you're in the in the wild and you see a line, yeah. you want to make sure you put that into the dangerous part of your brain. So you see- so the Pokemon would be in one part of the brain. And your parents arguing would be in another part of the brain because you're yes. only like sneaking bird-like glances out of it in the in the fear that your father would lash out and smack you across the back of the head for daring to. Sorry, I'm working through some stuff. Oh wow! Oh, oh I'm sorry, Dan. That's um, that's very sad. Wasn't oh. even my father. I don't know <laughs> who he was, but he did not like me being in that house. <laughs> I saw this story. It's an old story, so who knows how disproven it's been since but it was about people who could no longer recognize people's faces mm. and this happens just like a small portion of uh, the population is that they yes they have to sort of pick up on cues like visual cues to give away who they're looking at they go oh that person's got a beard and is like wearing a shirt that doesn't quite match their pants and looks a little bit like dan Harmon on a good day that must be greg and so <laughs> it's prosopagnosia I know my father not by his looks, particularly at a distance, but by his gait. His leg, one of his legs, is six inches shorter than the other due to an accident, and so he has a big shoe. So he walks in this very identifiable manner. So I can pick my father out of a, a crowd. Where's of people. your dad? It's that guy down there work, walking in a circle. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, some people are born with this, and some people actually get it after an injury to the brain. So scientists think they know where in the brain the particular part of your brain that l- recognises faces is. And they taught a bunch of people a sort of a chess game, but all of the pieces were sort of these lumpy bits of clay that didn't really have distinguishing obvious features. Mm. And the people sucked at recognising them, but after playing it for a week, they were able to recognise this piece and this piece and this piece, and that information was being stored in the same part of the brain where the facial recognition uh, uh. was. There you go. Interesting. So, so I find it weird that the Pokemon are being stored in a different part of the brain. So it seems to be the Pokemon part of the brain. My fake wife is pregnant. Oh, is it? Uh, congratulations to you both. Your fake congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Is, is it a fake boy or a fake girl? Uh, we haven't asked. Uh, as long as it's got five fingers and five toes and isn't an undead abomination. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. I was posed an interesting question recently in a discussion. Mm. Uh If a pregnant woman is bitten by a zombie, Mm. when does her fetus become a zombie? I is interesting point. I think it's one of the latest Dawn of the Dead or Empire of the Dead or Diary of the Dead or one of the of the Dead movies. This, this secret, is actually secret secret journal of the dead. Yes, that's, that's right. the dance. Much much ado about the dead. Much ado about the dead. <laughs> yeah, oh wow, zombies and Shakespeare. Kind of be kind of fun. I think that happened in some like a, a, a woman is torn apart by her own undead fetus or something. But I haven't seen it. I just remember it's one of those things that somehow got into my brain and I yeah. wish it wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. 
I guess we, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. Do well, you, h- how do you become a zombie? First yes, and foremost. Do you, do you, if you get bitten in this world that you're creating, do you become a zombie after you die or does the bite itself turn you into a zombie? Yeah. Okay. Now, first and foremost, this is a science podcast. So yes. there's no magic, no magic zombies, okay. no, right. no Haitian voodoo. Okay, okay, so we're not talking, so we're talking about serious, serious We're proper zombies. scientific zombies. Okay. So, so pick, a, pick, a, pick a zombie. The ones from World War Z, the movie, so it's like a, some sort of transferable virus that gets into your brain and makes, oh, rage zombies, let's say rage zombies. Rage zombies, oh, that's a good one, that's a good let's one, get, all right. Yeah, rage get, zombies, what, like, uh, like 28, 28 days later. That's the one, yes. Okay, rage zombies, they spread by blood. There's a guy who gets blood in his eye. Boom. He's yep. a zombie seconds later. Yes. Seconds yes. later, he becomes yep. a zombie. So this is transfer of blood. So we do have viruses that transfer through blood, uh, something like HIV. Spreading H- HIV via bite is only possible if there's blood in the bite. It has to be blood to blood. So blood mm-hmm. to blood is a big problem. But, of course, all these rage zombies, they're gnashing their teeth. They're spreading that blood. Yeah. You can also spread HIV through intercourse. Yes. But uh, maybe don't have sex with a zombie. Sex zombies. That's a whole other crypto zoo. We're not that's doing a, that a, one. Down, 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 sex zombies. Sex zombies. So the mother has got the zombie virus in her blood. The blood yes. from the mother carries oxygen and nutrients to the placenta. The oxygen and yes. nutrients pass across the placental barrier and waste returns, but blood doesn't cross over. This is important because the fetus can easily have a different blood type and you don't want them to mix. That ends up in disaster. This also means that a blood-borne virus won't cross over. If it's inside the... If it all depends if it's small enough. If it's been transported by in the same area as the blood, if it's small enough, it would still pass through, wouldn't it? No, because because it's the oxygen that passes through. Like the placental barrier yes. stops viruses but allows... Oh, okay. All uh, right, then, yes. So the placental barrier is an amazing thing. It's so not rage a- mother, rage zombie mother would still have a fetus inside her. Yes. Now, this oh, isn't dear. 100% true. HIV, HIV can rarely make that jump across, but it's much more common for the baby to get infected during birth. That's when it's in contact with the mucous membranes or the infected blood. Because giving right. birth, that is not a bloodless affair. No, no I've, heard. I've heard. Once again, two men who with no children talking about more... <laughs> but yes, I've heard. I've heard stories. Many All stories. Right. All right, Too so let, let's change to a different type of zombie. There is a very famous type of zombie, which is if you're bitten by the zombie, you become a zombie. Yes. Okay, yes. so we're going to talk about over, saliva. Yes. Over, over a couple of hours, you become a zombie, or maybe a day or so. They always hide their wounds. Yeah. For some reason, the first thing, which I always thought was interesting, I thought maybe that was actually something about the actual virus itself that's being passed into your blood. It's kind of like... um cordyceps Ooh. for ants because it makes you go you know ant, the ant virus goes it makes the ant go climb somewhere high yeah or the then, opposite of toxoplasmosis you do you take less chances yeah you, you're like so a rat becomes more uh more bold when oh, he has yes. toxoplasmosis but it's like the opposite of that where you go oh I'll just become real wary Yes, yeah, and, and you hide it. And your brain goes, we should, we should just not tell anyone anything. We should just, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. No, 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 I'm great. Maybe, maybe that's it. We've hit, we've hit on something there. But anyway, mm. it doesn't help the mother in this case. No. So mother's bitten, and it's so, passed through the saliva. Yeah. So this is a Shaun of the Dead-style zombie. That's, a, that's right. a very good demo of that happening. So a virus that gets spread through saliva, rabies. Yep. 
Ooh. So if you're exposed to the blood of a rabid animal, you are not at risk of exposure. The virus Good. is only carried from saliva, <laughs> semen, and vaginal secretions. They enter right. the body via the eyes, nose, or mouth, or into a bite wound. Mm. The womb is a super secure place. Saliva and secretions cannot get anywhere near the womb. And the baby is only at risk when it is born and its face comes into contact with the vagina. Right. There is another type of zombie. Mm-hmm. The Walking Dead is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Because in The Walking Dead, everyone has the virus. Mm. And when you die, you come back from the dead. Yes. Like, I'm not, these aren't the originals. These are the ones that I know about. Yes. But yeah, Walking Dead, everyone has the virus dormant in their system, and it's proposed to be an airborne virus, which is how it spreads so quickly and to everyone. Mm-hmm. So everyone has it. When they die, by whatever method, they reanimate. So we have a good uh, virus that travels through the air, and that's the flu. Mm. A head cold can't be transferred to a baby. They don't breathe, so they can't get it in its airborne form. And the head cold doesn't get anywhere near the placenta. It lives in the adenoid, which is in the lymph gland in the nose. Mm, okay. Um, now, there is another way to get viruses, and that is through the flesh. <laughs> this is stuff like uh, the Creutzfeldt-Jacob disease or mad oh, cow disease. Oh, spongiform. Spongiform. Or other. Spongiform uh, square pantherform. Yes, that's not, not a good... Ugh, bad, ugh, so bad that's, news. that's prions going out ugh. of it. Going crazy. Now, being force-fed the flesh of the infected is much more a vampire thing. So I think we can probably leave this option out mm-hmm. of the zombie story. Uh, sure. although, I, although I do think that a mother being infected with vampirism is the story of Blade. Oh, is he? Yes, because he's half vampire, isn't he? He's That's half his vampire. He's, he's born while he's, she's turning or something. And he's all, But he's all attitude, just full-on attitude all the time. He, he has zombie powers, but he, he can walk around in the day. He's, yeah, he's the day walker. Which is a really boring name, but that's a thing you can do. Imagine if his ability was to open doors well. The door opener, like it's kind of like he's, he's the more... rambler. <laughs> hey. He can walk around during the day with his stick and his hat. <laughs> Wesley Snipes is like, this is not the film I signed up for. I'm fighting vampires. It's nuts. He'd still make it look cool. It's like somewhere on a blasted heath, he'd be like, damn, but it'd be like tiny little pants, but it's like amazing legs. and (laughs) It'd be great. Wearing a little hat. It'd be great. Now, the placenta acts as a physical and immunological barrier between the maternal and fetal compartments and protects the developing (laughs) fetus from the vertical transmission of viruses. It's how I always talk about mothers and children. It's the maternal and fetal compartments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now, the primary human trophoblast cells is amazing. They are the line of defense in the placenta. Head colds, dengue fever, HIV, all knocked back by these cells. Wow. But there are a couple of dark horses that can jump across. Chickenpox, which is mm. airborne and a type of herpes, mm. can reach oh, the gosh. fetus. So much herpes. So much uh, herpes. It's crazy. Uh. Cytomegalovirus is responsible for a bunch of stuff. Cold sores, chicken pox, glandular fever. These can all get transferred to the fetus. The current theory is that CMV infiltrates white blood cells and then goes dormant. The white blood cells make their way to the placental barrier and then the virus in the white blood cell passes to the placental cell where it reactivates and is already past the defences. Yep. Another problem is Zika. You've heard of Zika virus? I've heard of Zika virus. Yeah, Zika virus. Not Zika virus. That's a different thing. Yeah. 
Seeker virus is. Yes. Um, uh, that's when you end up with red rubber balls. What? The Seekers, they did the, and I think it's gonna be alright. Yes, the worst is over now. The morning sun is shining like a pair of red rubber balls. Alright, that's alright. That's a, that's a joke for the people who are really familiar with the Seekers classic that's, hits. Wow! Wow! I was trying to think more Georgie girl, but okay, I was trying to make a joke out of it. Look, you, look, look, you've done it. You've done it. You've done it yeah. again. Yeah. You've done it again. Big thank you to my mother. For right. exposing me to the Seekers. Like a virus. Like a virus. <laughs> I am now inoculated against the Seekers. <laughs> yes. So, Zika arrives at the placenta and damages the cells of the placenta and breaks the physical barrier, giving it access to the fetus's blood supply. So, that's how it manages to get past the, this stuff. Now, we have all the parts of the puzzle. If it's a bite infection and the fetus will be human until birth. The vaginal mucus will probably cause infection, but a carefully performed caesarean could rescue the trapped infant. Right. I don't think... As long as, getting, as, long as it's getting nutrients, because it's not getting, um, not getting nutrients, then it's... We'll um, get to that. Ooh. Now, I don't think there's much information about whether the natural processes of childbirth activate in an infected body. The, the vaginal constrictions and stuff. So the... Yep. I don't know whether a pregnant zombie would go into birth. Yep. Uh, because they're, no, yes. But yeah. because they're, they're involuntary muscles, they might still work. Oh, I see. Because some part of the brain still kicks them in. Yeah, the, some part of the brain is still ticking that stuff over. If it's a blood infection, the fetus should be human until birth as well. But there's a lot of blood during birth, so a rescue would be dangerous. Some babies are born to HIV-infected mothers who do not have HIV themselves. Okay. So it is possible. If it's an airborne infection that only kicks in after death, the fetus won't get it until they take their first breath. If it dies inside the mother without breathing air first, it shouldn't reanimate. <laughs> right. Phew. Okay, now, <laughs> when would a fetus die inside a zombie? The fetus oh, needs okay. oxygen and nutrients. Now, yes. zo zombies need nutrients. That's why they're yep. always going for the most nutrient-dense part of the victim, the brains. The brains? Delicious okay, the brains. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Just like bears during salmon season, yep. all they eat is the roe, the eggs, and the salmon brain, and they throw the rest away. The wolves do that too. Do they really? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Animals. They're monsters. Oh. They're just animals. Oh, gosh. Good fishing, though, because we don't eat the brain, so we can get the rest of the fish and be like, yum, salmon. We can work together. Oh, bears God, bear. and humans, working together, we could go, look, I'll, I'll fish here, and I'll throw you the brains and the roe, and then I'll just eat the, the flanks. And, and they're like, yes. And then the, the two uh, species like form this alliance and form this amazing civilization that goes into space, bears and humans working together. It's a beautiful utopia you describe. I just, there's no downside. Unfortunately, there's no way this will ever happen, what with the cultural d differences between bears and humans that extend uh. generations back. I know we've just. Been Why inviting... can't we just learn to get along? It's very sad. We're stuck with dogs. Ugh. Ugh. Dogs. Yeah. All they're right. Like, they're like emotionally stunted and, and disappointing bears. You know, you, you want to love them. You look at a dog and you go, "Oh, you're kind of cool." I wish you were a bear, though. Yeah. No, that feeling. You don't give your kid a little plush dog to to go to sleep with, do you? No. No. Plush you don't. Plush bear. Plush bear. And the reason yep. for that. Because deep down inside, we know we made a mistake. Yeah. We know 25,000 years ago, if not more, we made a terrible error, probably a lot more. We made a terrible error and didn't 
invite bears into our camps. We're sorry, bears. Yeah. We're sorry. Sorry. Okay, does a zombie need <laughs> oxygen? No, no, give me a moment here. All I right. can't. I can't just. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm good. You can't bear yeah. it? I can't. <laughs> uh, 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 sorry, listeners. I, I feel that you were waiting for me to make the joke, but then you just had to come in there and take it, which is good. Thanks. I threw myself on the grenade. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Uh, this leads us to oxygen. Does a zombie need oxygen? No, because they go into the water and they, they get hidden in cupboards that have lots of coats in them. <laughs> they, oh, yeah, under- all, those, all, 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 <laughs> all that oxygen-suppressing coats. Yes, it's very dangerous. You, don't, you wouldn't put your child into a cupboard. They may suddenly die. But children just suddenly die for no reason. I mean, that's just something happens. Hmm. This is getting very dark, by the way. Sorry, yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, I'm not. I like that. I mean, that's where I steered this conversation. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, good. We're talking about fetuses inside zombies. Yes, it's a bit sad. Zombies are routinely walking out of the water to, to horrify people. That's right. They don't appear to need Just to- like a very less sexy Daniel Craig. Yes. 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 Imagine, imagine that, a zombie in little blue Speedos coming out of the water and everyone going, ah! Instead of going, ah. Zomb. We, we James wrong. Zomb. <laughs> Okay, they don't appear to need to breathe air. But the thing about oxygen is that it's needed to burn the sugars in our nutrients into energy for moving muscles. Zombies simply must be taking in oxygen in some way, even if if it's only enough to shuffle. Yes. Like, you can't activate those muscles without the oxygen to break down the nutrients. In a quote-unquote scientific zombie world, yes, exactly right. So the human fetus does not need much oxygen. Really? They, well, it's only tiny. But they still tiny. not. It, it's not going to pass through. There's not going to be any blood flow, is there? Because uh, they, they don't have flowing blood. They haven't got a beating heart anymore. Well, they need to get the. I mean, if they've got moving muscles, they must. Yes. In some, so even if they don't have a beating heart, yeah, the oxygen needs to be able to get to the muscles with the nutrients somehow. Is, somehow. Yeah. yeah. And so, if it can, then it must be going getting to the placenta as well. Like, right. if, if they can move muscles, they must be able to grow babies. Right. I see what you're saying. Yes, okay. That, that, I, yep. it, even, if it's not, even if it's a very small amount. Yes. What this means is that in, in every single case, unless it's a Zika virus or a cytomegalovirus thing, yes. a pregnant zombie has a non-zombie fetus on board. And you know uh, what we call that? What? what? A snack. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Everything is awful and I feel bad. So the, the question is now is oh. does the zombie know that she's got a delicious brain inside her oh, that she could just we- rip out of herself? Yes. Or does, or does she not know it's there? Well, they can normally they can detect them, can't they? No, no. Normally, if you behave like if you cover yourself in gore and stuff, well, technically that baby is covered in gore and stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's yep. that's what I think. That's what I think of all humans with babies. You're just like <laughs> you're just a gore and stuff surrounding a baby. Uh, yes, I guess it wouldn't. It wouldn't be able to smell the baby. It wouldn't be able to detect the baby was there. But yeah. it would move. But it maybe would move and kick. But and, but, and so you you need was, some sort of memory of pregnancy. Yeah. Which but some it, it, zombies I, have a slight memory. Like, they remember how to walk. Yeah. 
In uh, some like, movies, they they remember their jobs. Like yeah. they, they just they just go over and over and do their jobs mechanically. So if the mother was very protective to the baby, and someone tried to damage her, she may protect herself and protect. She doesn't know why, but she would protect the baby without knowing there was a baby there. Maybe so. There's all about in, the, the instincts that the yes. mother has to protect the yes. baby. To the very or, strong or, instincts. Which yes, we, which we talked about before. Yeah, uh, like her brain was <laughs> like her brain was getting smaller and smaller. During, oh yeah, during pregnancy. Yeah, yes. during pregnancy, yes. getting smaller. Yes, uh, and after. Oh no. Okay. Oh. At least Let's... she's not stressed, zombie. <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame. This is the segment where you guys write in and tell us what mistakes we've made. Have I made a mistake about the brain swelling when you have a hangover? Someone <laughs> should look it up because I may have. <laughs> At least that's what Greg said. <laughs> and Greg's so too lazy to go look it up, so right. help Greg out. We have listeners for that. We got listeners to do our research. <laughs> okay, so the first walk of shame this episode is for me from me. Oh, well done, Dan. Okay, so a couple of episodes ago, I was talking about how the American cockroach was this horrible, glassy, mo- horrid monster, and the Australian cockroach is this adorable matte tiny bush thing right okay turns out i confused the australian cockroach with the australian bush cockroach Ooh. there is a shiny gross australian cockroach that looks very similar to the american one so mm-hmm. if you've ever been looking at a cockroach in the house and you've gone oh a cockroach that's probably an australian cockroach hit it with Ooh. a shoe if nice. you've looked at that cockroach and gone that's a normal cockroach but it's much bigger than usual and then you go, oh, Christ, it's going to fly at me. And then it flies at you. That's an American cockroach. They are what? two different cockroaches. My goodness. Okay. Confusingly enough, it also comes from Africa. <laughs> so they all come from Africa. Right. There is also Good. a German cockroach, which looks like an Australian cockroach or an American cockroach. And that's here in Australia as well. That's what I thought we had, the, the um, brown ones we have in the house. I thought they were German cockroaches. So some of them are, some of them are yep. Australian. The, 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 right. the differences are small enough that you don't get close enough to notice them. Right. And I just hit them with a shoe. That's there you go. how it works. I must admit, I have no compassion about, compunction about murdering cockroaches. I'm sorry. They're all from Africa anyway, so right. they shouldn't be here. Right. They're an invasive species. There you go. Hit them Take on the that, head. Cockroaches. Just like your Asian miners. Or your yes. cats. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> All right. But not the bears. We can have bears in Australia. We should have bears in Australia. Well, not koala bears, it turns out. Well, they're not. They're rubbish. They, they, but they, 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 they can't survive. We're down no, to, they, they're functionally extinct now. They're crap. But we should... No, bears. I actual, don't like them anyway. Use... Tiny faces. Ugh. We should have actual bears. Real bears bring yep. bears yep. to Australia. Yep. Yep, and that, I'm sure they'll eat the cane beetles. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we've got another another walk of shame, and this is a proper one because it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is from UE Shuacamp, and it was also pointed out by Steve Wisenhunt. You were talking about planets in a nova last episode with Joel, uh, oh, yes. and you said that the core pulled in closer to the white dwarf, of course, as you get closer to the center of mass, the angular momentum increases, so it's now <laughs> zipping around faster and faster, just like when a ballerina pulls in her arms when she's spinning. Uwe said, 
I guess Greg got the conservation of angular momentum wrong in the recent Danless episode. Mm-hmm. And I do like the implication that this sort of error wouldn't have been made if I wasn't on deck. <laughs> if I, yes. It, yes. Like you, if you I was here, that... I would be like, oh, yes. hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. But I would have dropped that ball like it was hot. <laughs> When he said that the angular momentum increases as two orbiting bodies yeah. reduce their distance between each other, isn't angular momentum conserved in this yes. case? And yeah. as the mass remains the same, the orbital velocity needs to increase in order to yes. conserve the total angular momentum. My classical physics is a bit dusty, but I think that's also <laughs> how the ballerina skate example works. Angular momentum is conserved and isn't increased in this case. Absolutely correct. That was a dumb thing for me to say. So well Absolutely. done, Uwe and Steve, yes. for picking up I on will, that one. I will wear that with pride. Well, not with pride, with shame. Terrible shame. So if you hear Greg make a mistake, please do send an email to dan at smartenough.org. But if the other guy, Dan, makes a mistake, then you should be talking to Greg at smartenough.org. No one sends them to me. I feel so sad. I occasionally get the we both made a mistake ones, but I want ones to rub Dan's face in it. Ah, oh, man. I'm so perfect. In every single way. I think you say so much bollocks that's subjective. <laughs> Dude, subjective bollocks. It, it's no, I have no idea. It's like the leprechaun tying a bow onto every piece of corn. <laughs> it's, it's like there's too much to filter through. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to smartenough.org and click on any of the buttons to follow us on social media, even the bad ones. We love social media. It's just like buttons, pressing buttons. It makes your brain feel happier by pressing a button. Oh, it's going to be great. The the website's full of interesting stuff. You can get on there and you can talk about the episode. We got comments on there. There's going to be links to stuff that we've been talking to in there. You could see how we spell the name of the episode. It's, It's amazing. And you can subscribe on iTunes or on RSS or Stitcher. Sure. It, it all works. A, we're, we're down with that. Look at it. And if you would like to buy T-shirts to support us, there's a yes. link to T-shirts. And if you would like to drop some change into our PayPal account, there's a link for that as well. And if you would like to support us, please just tell your friends and tell all your enemies and spread the word because <laughs> we are plateaued so far as listenership and we need a bump. So yes, we do. Bump us. Come close. Right. Bump us real good. Bump and grind? Or just bump? Oh, this already feels like a grind. <laughs> B, if you would like to support us any more than just telling people, you can support us on Patreon. Yay. Uh, you can give us two bucks a, a month, and that will give us two bucks a month. I think that's US. Is that a US? That, that is US. US. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, or you could yes. give us five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And that will give us five bucks a month, and we'll read your name out on the podcast. Woohoo! And I think that's all of the options. No, no, no. I think you'll find, Dan, that there is the premium $15 a month, which is a crazy amount of money. And that means that Dan JJJ Beeston will have to insult you right here on this very podcast. Okay. We have five people supporting us at that tier at the moment. Yay! And because it's May, and because we've just celebrated May Day, or Labor Day, mm-hmm. I thought that I would go with anti-corporate-themed insults yes. this nice. month. Okay. Very good. So. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. Steve Stewart, you are such an ineffectual corporation, your entire staff could go on strike for a month, 
and no one would notice. Harsh. Oh. Okay. Dustin Fallon. You're such an unsuccessful corporation that not even the French will protest you. (laughs) Good. Okay. Eric Wilson said we don't have to insult him. Eric Wilson, you're a real mom and pop store. Uh, Aww. He brings value to his community. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. Al Batson. The government brought in regulations that insists that you can no longer disguise your product with photographs of oral cancer, lung cancer, eye surgeries, and other damage from tobacco. <laughs> right. And Scott Driscoll, you are the blockbuster of human beings. Ah. Oh. Ooh. As in there's, there's, um, there's only like one left in San Paolo? Is that what you're trying to say? San yes. Paolo? It's like- <laughs> yes, there's only one left, and people only look at it out of a sense of morbid curiosity. <laughs> also, a big thank you to our $5 subscribers, Morton O'Hare, Avi Greenbury, Matthew Toy, Lindsay Jenkinson, Gary Heather, Andrew Trousdale, Andrew Whitehouse, Evil Orney. That should be evil one. I'm just playing silly buggers. Alana Mitchell, EarthDog58, Matt Ewers, Andrew Potts, Steve Eichenhout, Phil Holland, Michael Barnes, and Elizabeth Yunkin. Thank you all so much for the money. Sometimes we use it to pay for stuff. We do. Yeah, we, we certainly do. Oh, you know what we used it for recently? I got paid back for all of the domain name yes. hosting for a decade. Yes, right. It wasn't as much as we thought, which is nice. <laughs> That's, a, that's because I know where to go. I, got, right. I, got, I, I know what I'm doing. He knows. He's down with it. And as we always like to say, so much herpes! I'm sure one of them can do a decent t- Ted Theodore. Logan. Yeah. I almost said Ted Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> sure. That's a whole different movie. Well, this jurisdiction totally got passed through law. <laughs> I bought some miniatures in a box set, and I don't want half of them. So I made a deal to one guy's going to... It's like a you get them all packed together, yep. and it's much, much cheaper. So he's buying half of them, basically. So I'm getting I'm getting a, an army for half price, and I'm, I've got to meet up with him at 3 o'clock. And that's the only time he can meet up, so I have to meet up then. Probably going to get murdered under a bridge. Pretty exciting. Oh, no, that's, that is quite clever because you, you don't ask for someone who's like, oh, I want to split a package of knives or a package of dark yeah. barbells. You're like, oh, what? If, if, if I wanted to beat someone up, what sort of hobby would they be involved in? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, I'll buy you a little plastic man. Come to this dark alley and we'll... What I worry is that person gets murdered. Now it's going to go, hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe it's up you to you to make sure that they don't. Yes. And there's a movie right there. <laughs> two men were buying little plastic men one was about to get murdered and now they're stuck together I, I've got and, no and the there. title of the film oh yes real men alright coming at this one with energy I'm rolling up to the front door oh sorry you're trying to actually do something Welcome to episode 151 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Ow! Wham! Energy! Woo! 
Okay, why is everything so quiet? You just went real quiet. Did I? Hang on. Whoa, hang why? On. Hang on, that might be my fault. Woo-hoo. Okay, okay, okay. Uh. No, that was my fault. It was the volume knob on my mic. <laughs> Excellent. Always a knob problem. Just bum, one, bum, one, bum, two, bum, one, two. Bum. Okay, it's not going red, so that's good. I don't know. Energy again. Oh, you get more energy. Yeah, you get back up. Back up for that microphone. You're running in. I want, I want you to see you take three steps back and barrel on in. You did it once. We're doing it again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There he goes. He's off shot. He's out of shot. Well done, everyone. Well done. <clears throat> and Welcome three. to ah, Smarter No, we can't. Stop. Ah, it's terrifying. Can't just burst into shot like that. Thing. Everyone's like super excited by Detective Pikachu. It's like, that's the world we live in. Well, when the first trailer dropped, everyone's reaction was, what the f*** are we doing as a, as a species? <laughs> and then, for some reason, people warmed to it. I think I'd quite like to see it. It looks different. It looks like something I've never seen before. Right. I just don't know any of the things. That's the thing, like, all the, all the monsters and the, I guess, you know, I you'll think, learn. It's cockfighting for children. I think we know all the things. <laughs> like, it's a Nintendo game. It's not like the lore is particularly deep. <laughs> I also noticed that someone leaked the entire film onto YouTube. Like oh, right. Like one hour and 40 minute film to YouTube. Oh, and wow. Ryan Reynolds retweeted and said, hey, there's a leak. And you open up the leak and it's actually got his watermark, like the Reynolds watermark. So it's obviously the leak has come from him. <laughs> and Why and, it, would you and do it, that? it runs for about 45 seconds. And then it just has the same loop of Pikachu dancing for an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> what did you call it? Who dancing? Pikachu. Is it Pikachu? Oh, let's not do this again. This <laughs> it's, I thought it's we already Pikachu. we resolved this like a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> like, definitely, you don't say Pikachu. I, what the hell is that? Uh, it's like saying it is Fakasha. Make it sound like it doesn't rhyme with Fakasha. Fakasha. It's not. It's Fokusha? not Fakasha. I love to enjoy some Fokasha and then <laughs> watch Pikachu. Pika, Pikachu. Yes, Pikachu. 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 Mount Pikachu. Weirdly, you're putting a weird emphasis on it. It's really strange. I don't know why it bugs me, but it really does. Yeah. Pikachu. Sorry, it's really weird. I can't imagine why I do it then. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Please read my 400 page thesis. Please be aware that I did not entitle this a manifesto. Because I am not. I am not underlined. A crackpot, not a crackpot. A crackpot. A crackpot. 